We need to pray. We need to read. We need to study God's word. And then the answer should be this, because we want to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether alive or dead, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm going to be there. And no matter what happens in my family or in my own personal life, we know that we know who we have believed in. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Roll Reese in Diamond Bar, California. We're glad to have you with us today for our continued focus on raising your children in a household of faith. Today, Roll will challenge you to spend more personal time with God, filling your spirit with His strength and equipping yourself with His truth so you can pour into your loved ones. Stay with us to see that prayer and intentionality are key as you train your kids in God's ways. Let's listen as Roll Reese begins today's study, A Warning to the Family. This morning, I want you guys to go to the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse 11. The Lord gave me this verse, and I'll read it to you here in chapter 13, verse 11. He says, and do this knowing the time, underline that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is near." than when we first believed. So we see that Paul the Apostle, he's not only coming to the second part of the book of Romans, and the first part he talks about faith and salvation. Now he comes to chapter 12, he says, I therefore beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service to God. Reasonable service. And then he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. How do we renew our minds? How do we know we are walking with the Lord Jesus Christ? What happens to the next generation when we are gone? Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, the next generation of young men, young women, uh, being, getting married, having children, what's going to happen to their children? What's going to happen to your grandchildren, my grandchildren? Today we are living in some of the most incredible days, drugs, war, alcohol, homosexuality, lesbianism, terrorism. and so many other things that we can talk about this morning. But as God's children, do you know God's word? Do you know God's word? Your children come along and say, Mom, Dad, can you uh, share the scripture with me? They're going to Sunday school, and they'll say, well, what does the scripture mean to their mother and father? Well, you go, whoa, I don't know. Well, as parents, we need to read the word of God. We need to study God's word. Because not only you have children, you're going to have grandchildren. And when you come to a teaching church, we need to know the scriptures. Otherwise, people say, well, why do you go to a teaching church? When you don't even know the scriptures, are you really being taught the word of God or not? I don't know how many times you've read the word of God. How much do you know God? You know, to read the word of God is to know God. To know what his will is for my life. But a lot of times you ask people, do you know God's will for your life? Well, I really don't know his will. 
but I'm kind of doing my will. You see, and that's what happens to a lot of people. They do their own will. And they get themselves in big, big trouble. Or they follow the philosophies of the world. Like in the days of Judges, listen carefully. Judges 21, 25. And in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. If you go back and you read the book of Joshua, chapter 24, ends up with the Lord. And the people that were walking with the Lord, parents, grandparents. And when you get to chapter 2, verse 10 of Judges, it says this. And there arose another generation that did not know the Lord, but knew all these gods. And then in the book of Genesis, God warns. Because he says in Genesis chapter 6, 3, before anything comes along, judgment comes. He says, Noah, listen carefully. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with men forever. For he indeed is flesh. His day shall be 120 years and the end will come. We've been in existence 1900 years. Can you imagine what's going to happen in the future? To the church? To your sons, to your daughters, to your great-grandchildren? What does my family need spiritually? What do they need? To give answers to your children. The parents are praying together. They're reading together. They're getting to know God intimately. And kids see that and they'll know God intimately too. They'll know him. And that's when my wife and I, when I got saved, she was part of the prayer you know, group praying for me. But when my children were born, immediately we started teaching them how to read and how to pray and how to seek God, but also how to give to God. We taught them all that. And you know what? Even though my, two of my kids went away, they still gave to God. That what I have belongs to God. It doesn't belong to me. Who gave you life? You ever go to bed at night? You're sitting there. You're going to go to bed. You don't pray. You don't do anything. How do you know you're going to wake up? We live by faith, right? When I go to sleep, it's by faith. Not recognizing the next morning I'm going to rise and I'm going to have another day in my life. How do you know that? I don't know that. So I want to make sure that every single day, week, year, I know him. And I know where I stand before him. I know who I believe in. And when I read, I read and I wait and I ask God to speak to me through the scriptures. So when the scriptures speak to me, guess what happens? I get convicted. I get convicted of things that I should not be doing. You're either in darkness or you're in the light. You either obey or disobey. And people who you work with watch this. Your neighbors watch this. Your family watches this. And Paul the Apostle was in a place in his life. that He was in Rome. They're going to kill Paul. He's going to be beheaded. And he writes this great book of Romans so that people can understand, hey, Christians are saved by faith. Not by works. And then this is the way from chapter 12 to chapter 16. This is the way you're supposed to live. Once you know God, this is the way you live for God. The book of Ephesians is the same way. The first three chapters, it tells you who you are in Christ. And once you know Christ, in chapter 4, 5, and 6, he says, now that you know him, this is the way you should live for him. We should read those books. We should read the whole Bible. And see what the word of God says. 
God wants to use your life. God wants to use my life. I want to make sure what Paul said here in verse 11 and do this knowing the time. I'm looking at time. Kronos, I'm looking at time. How long I've been a Christian, my wife, all these things because we live among time. Minutes, seconds, hours, days, years, months, all these things. How do you know you're going to be here next Sunday morning? You got to get to know him intimately, personally. I watch people die every week, every week. And it's so sad when you see someone that doesn't know Christ. But on the other side, those that really know Christ, and they've been reading the word of God, kind of weird, they start quoting scriptures. Because they know God. They know God's word. Everybody knows John 3.16. That's no problem. But what about 2 Corinthians 5.17? What about 1 John chapter 5, verse 2? All these scriptures... They are going to help you. They're going to assist you to be a Christian, to be a believer in Jesus Christ. And when Paul was here in Rome, these Christians, some of them were denying the Lord because some of them didn't want to die. They didn't want to be thrown to the lions. They didn't want to be crucified. They didn't want to be tarred and then set on fire. So they gave up their faith. What would ever happen if we here in America would be able to see, notice, torturing or killing Christians? What would happen to any one of us here? How many of us would stand and say, I am a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in his promises. And Paul now is going to shift his focus. He's going to change his focus here in the activity of time. And the reason is because the fact of these believers that are living in Rome, can they really trust the Lord for what he's going to do in their lives? It's their urgency. Paul intensifies it, conviction, to make sure you're convicted of what you say, what you do, so that your heart is right before the Lord. Right before the Lord. And yet we are watching. In 1 Thessalonians 5.1, he says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, speaking to Christians, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord is so comes as a thief in the night. He says, Paul says, I don't have to tell you because you read the Bible. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. A slaver upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Take you as a thief. We should never have that day overtake us as a thief. We know him intimately. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165 for resources, including this series about children on MP3. You can also email Roll with your prayer requests and questions. His address is pastorroll at somebodylovesyou.com. Now back to the final part of today's study. I wrote this down. The New Testament gives abundant evidence that the believers in Paul's day expected the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ momentarily. They looked for it. He didn't come. Been 1900 years, he hasn't come. But the Bible says at an appointed time, he will come. 
Maybe not in our generation, maybe another generation, or maybe even for the next 2,000 years, he's not going to come, but he's coming. And the Bible says the next event that will take place will be the church, the real church. That church that will never die will be taken to heaven seven years before the tribulation period starts. That's what the Bible teaches. I've been taught that for 40 some years. I believe it too. It's going to happen. Pastor Chuck was very, very thorough when he taught prophecy. And man, he totally brainwashed me concerning the coming of the Lord. But here Peter puts you in the alert in Paul the Apostle as you read their epistles. For example, he writes in Philippians 4, 5, Paul says, Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is coming. First Peter chapter 4, 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, because of this, Christians, be serious and watchful in your prayers. The word watchful, it means to be alert in your prayers. What are you praying for? How are you praying? We need to pray. We need to read. We need to study God's word. And then the answer should be this, because we want to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether alive or dead, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm going to be there. I know in whom I have believed. I know who my Savior is. And no matter what happens in my family or in my own personal life, we know that we know who we have believed in. And it's real sad when you have children, teenagers, young adults that are not walking with God and they've grown up in the church. Very sad. It's painful to parents. They feel like a failure. But we need to understand that the enemy, Satan, his demons, not only are going after you, but they're going after your children. This is why your children, when you see them bummed out or whatever, you should say, son, daughter, can I pray for you, my son? Just pray with them. You'll blow your mind. That brings comfort. For you guys as parents here, grandparents, I pray for you because I know that some of you are hurting deeply in your hearts for your families. And we want your families to be comforted. We want them to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I like what uh, we see in Matthew chapter 5, 13, because Jesus now, he talks about the light, that we are the light of the world. We are light. If we turn out these lights, we'd be in darkness. We used to be in darkness, remember? In darkness, we couldn't see. We thought we saw, but we couldn't see But once that light was turned on, well, we could see everything before us, behind us, in front of us, to the left, to the right, even to the floor. And Jesus goes on to say this in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned, if then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men? Salt. When you have a hospital, you cut yourself you take salt and you put it on your wound and it heals it. In those days, they had no refrigerator, so they killed their cows, whatever, and then they would salt the cows on the meat so it wouldn't spoil. See, we have all the modern technology today. And so a lot of times we don't understand what the scripture is saying here. But then also we have the witness of families, friends, church affiliations, And then he goes on to say, Jesus, in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Salt, light. A city is set on a hill that cannot be hidden because light always shows. 
You can see it in the darkness. Jesus said, don't you know that you are not only the salt of the world, but you're actually a light set on a hill for everybody to see? That's what Jesus said. Here in 514, he says, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor they light a lamp and put it under their basket. And a lampstand for everybody to see. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We're not to satisfy people. We're to satisfy the Lord. I want to be a witness to the Lord. But as I am a witness to the Lord, I am a witness to people too because they see my Christianity. They know that I read my Bible. They know I go to church. They know I pray. What kind of a person are you in your neighborhood, in your job, in your personal home? Do people know that you're light? Do people know that you're salt? Do people know that you would give your life for Jesus Christ? Give your life for Jesus Christ because you know what Christ has said in your life and what he's done. There's an urgency. Not only in my life, but in your life. To know God's truth. That's an emergency. I read this here. It says, you and I are his messengers. His messengers. But a messenger, the way in Christ Jesus gets paid is spiritually. We are messengers to take the word of God to people. But listen, you can't take the word of God to people. If you're not living right for God, how can you take the message? And be a messenger of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We need to look at our lives. We need to make sure that people see Christ in my life. And I believe that nothing happens by coincidence. Nothing. Everything happens according to God's divine will. You see, how many times has God spared your life? To be diligent to his grace and mercies that he's given to you. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, you guys, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Obeying, knowing God's will. Knowing God's word. Knowing the warnings of God in his word that come to my life as God warns me. So Paul here is exhorting, warning the Romans, warning us. And maybe some of you are tired of life. Tired of life. You ever been there? Look how many people, it hurts so much, have committed suicide. It is the worst thing to go to a house when someone commits suicide. And somewhere he committed suicide, and you got to tell his parents or the grandparents or brothers or sisters, it is so painful. Because in your mind, you say, well, what would have kept him from committing suicide? That he would not kill himself or kill herself. But many times, what do they do? They leave guilt to everybody else. That's why we need to pray for our children, pray for our husband, pray for wives, pray for this church, pray for me and my family. Because God loves us so much that he gave. He gave his son for all of us here. Dr. Billy Graham said, he says, the most mentioned events in the entire Bible is the second coming of Christ. The new birth is mentioned only nine times. 
Baptism, 20 times. Repentance, 70 times. But the second coming of Jesus Christ is mentioned more than 300 times. He's coming. Not in my time, maybe, but in somebody else's time, he's going to come. And if he's going to come, what kind of a life am I living then? Are you holy as he is holy, as he exhorts us? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13, I don't have to read it. It speaks about the rapture. That there'll be a time when people will disappear, but at the same time, you're going to have to check your heart. Are you in part of that group? Are you part of that group? Because when you read, it says that they'll be taken and there'll be a lot of people left behind. They were not ready. They were not ready for the Lord's coming. But then Jesus, speaking to Peter and to all of us, in John 14, he says this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, because he's God. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have never told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself, so where I am, there you also will be with me. And where I go, you know the way. Jesus speaking. What a great promise he's given to us. A great promise. Don't let your heart be troubled. And what's the first thing that happens? My heart gets troubled. Troubled completely. I get troubled because I see people perishing. And that's why we want you to know God's word. And that's why we want you to walk in holiness. He is holy, so we must be holy as he is holy. And Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. He has to be first. Number one. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Life is busy, so it's good to be reminded to prioritize daily time with the Lord, both for yourself and for your children. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. To review this message, just call us at 800-634-9165 and ask for the lesson titled, A Warning to the Family. We'll send you an unedited copy for a donation of $5 or more. We'd also like to tell you about a conveniently portable MP3 thumb drive of Rawls' nine-message children's series, exploring how to set an example of faith for the next generation. Whether you're just getting started as a parent or your children are grown and out on their own, you'll learn how you can have a positive influence on their spiritual lives. To order Rawls' nine-lesson series focused on your children, visit us online at somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. We'll send you a USB drive for a gift of $15 or more. Our number once again is 800-634-9165. You can also write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. We encourage you to take advantage of all of our free resources as well. Use iTunes or Spotify to download podcasts of any of these programs. Remember, you can also email Roll directly with your Bible questions and prayer requests. His address is pastorroll at somebodylovesyou.com. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your tax-deductible gifts help us keep sharing the truth of God's Word, and we are grateful for your partnership.
Tune in again next time for the conclusion of this series, exploring how to establish a foundation of faith for your children. You'll see that no matter what stage of parenting you're in, it's important to stay intentional and consistent as you live out your faith for your children. Here's Raul with a closing comment. In conclusion, I'll give you three things. Number one, it is time to wake up. As he says in verse 11, and do this knowing the time that now is high time to wake up out of your sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed, you see. Secondly, it's time to clean up. He says in verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, because of this, let us cast off all the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife or envy. We don't want to be found with dirty garments. We want clean garments when Jesus comes again. And thirdly and lastly, grow up. It's time to grow up. Verse 14, he says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for your flesh to fulfill this lust. And I wrote this down. I'll read it to you. When he says here about Jesus Christ, this means to become more like him, to receive by faith all that he has for us daily in daily living. If we feed on the flesh, we will fail. But if we feed the inner man and nourish it, then spiritually we will do great and succeed. Lastly, I wrote, in other words, a Christian citizen are to be the best Christian in the kingdom of God. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.